I got to hear one of the world's great intellects speak in person one time. Daniel Boyarin is a renowned rabbi, scholar, and intellectual force. But what I remember him for was the sip of water. Like every speaker, he had water by him, and when he bent over to drink, he said a prayer first in Hebrew. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolom Shekahol Nihia Bidvaro. Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of the universe, by whose word all things came to be. And I wanted to pray like that before every sip of water in the language God speaks. Our story for today involves two things. Water and marriage. And we're used to giving thanks before a wedding. One of the things that our post-Christian culture still thinks churches are good for is weddings. Of course, you can get ordained in five minutes on the internet and do a wedding for whoever you like. So we're losing even that. That's okay. The church can do without recognition from the broader culture or being sought out for such things. The wedding industry is only a couple of decades old. I can marry you up here for free this morning if you want. Judaism has done without positive recognition from its broader culture forever. And Jewish people are still out there blessing the world. Many wise observers think that Christianity's future will be more like Judaism. We'll teach the faith over kitchen tables and blessings over sips of water and not so much in public venues or at weddings for strangers. Jesus is at a well and a woman approaches. Now, if you know your scripture, you know what's coming. Wedding bells. The well is where you go in Israel to find a spouse in the Bible. Everyone needs water to live. And so wells are public gathering places. They're treasured, and they're also fought over. They take on deeper meaning, as it were. This well is special. It's where their ancestor Jacob and all his 12 sons and all of their families and all of their flocks would drink. And Jesus shouldn't be there. Jesus is Jewish. In our passage you just heard, he says quite clearly, salvation is from the Jews. No Judaism, no Christianity, no salvation, and no God. But as ever with us religious types, there is rivalry. There's an old schism among the Israelites, a family feud. And no feud is more fierce than a family feud. When the northern tribes of Israel were destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 BC, and 10 of the 12 tribes vanished from the earth, a few folks, scragglers, were left behind. They built a temple at Gerizim in Samaria, and they claimed that they were the only authentic heirs of Jacob's faith. There are still Samaritans out there in the world today. There's only about a thousand of them, but they still sacrifice in that temple that was mentioned in our story. Jewish people at the time of Jesus and today trace their lineage from the two southern tribes 
of Judah and Benjamin. Judah is where we get the word Jew. They're the authentic heirs of the faith of Jacob. When the disciples turn up, they find Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman at a well, and they think, whoa, this whole following Jesus thing is going to turn out different than we thought. It always does when you follow him. She's a Samaritan, that is a false Israelite, one who's doing it wrong. And he seems to want to drink after her? It's gross. This story is overflowing with religious and ethnic and gender-based friction. And it's Jesus who's causing all the trouble, like he always does. He asks for a drink. The woman corrects him, you're male, and you're Jewish, and you're weird. And he proceeds to prove that he is even weirder than she thought. Actually, you'd like a drink from me. You have no bucket. If you drink my water, you become a spring, a geyser. I'd like that. These two show what Rabbi Dr. Boyarin showed me. What water is for? Every sip. Imagine every time you take a sip of anything, stopping to thank God for it. You'd be thanking God all day. And that's precisely the point, to thank God all day for every good thing that happens. Jesus takes that point and multiplies it. You can become water for others. A spring, a geyser, a Niagara of water. You won't need a bucket. You'll be a bucket. Yes, I want that. Don't you? So Jesus has a new disciple signed up in this woman, but he can't take yes for an answer. Go bring your husband. I have no husband. Now be careful here. Lots of preachers like me go too far at this point. She's at the well in the heat of the day. So we infer that she's ashamed. There is no evidence for this. We male preachers read it in. Jesus says, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. He is not shaming her. We husbands do drop dead with alarming regularity. In that day, a husband could divorce a wife if they failed to have any children. They just figured it was her fault. She gives no evidence of shame, and he offers no evidence of shame. And remember, this all happens at a well where you go to find a husband. There is love in the air as these two flirt with each other, but it's weird the disciples find it awkward. Only Jesus doesn't find it awkward. I'm hoping you find it awkward. A friend of mine was contemplating becoming a nun. She told an older nun who was recruiting her, I guess that's what nuns do. She said, I think I could give up sex, but I don't think I could give up flirting. And the older nun said, oh, honey, you don't have to give up flirting. As a nun, you can flirt with everyone more. They trust you. 
and you're trying to lure them into life with God. The biggest flirts are old nuns. Just never betray that trust. Jesus woos us all. And that's what he's doing with this multiply married woman here. One of the chief commandments in Judaism is to go forth and multiply. The Jewish people are the means by which God blesses the world. So, you should fill the earth with more Jews. Extra credit for more children. The Samaritans would have agreed. Every child is a blessing. Have more of them. And even outside of Judaism, it's a good thing God gave us hormones. Because none of us would be here otherwise. (laughs) That was funny. You can laugh at that. One of the strangest things Jesus ever does as a Jew and a rabbi is he never marries. No children. Commentators are quick to say that this woman is doing marriage wrong, but Jesus is also doing marriage wrong. The last two centuries in the church have been a chaotic babble of arguments over these things. Can women pastor? Can gay people marry? You're doing it wrong. No, you're doing it wrong. I got to tell you, the first one who does marriage and gender wrong is Jesus of Nazareth. Every time the church tries to tell somebody that they're the wrong sort of person for this or that, we have to remember the first wrong sort of person is Jesus, King of the Jews, Savior of the world, with no wife and no children. What is marriage really for? Why do we do it? Because it's a weird thing. To tell a person, not just, I love you, and I want to be with you now, but also, I'll stay with you however I feel, whatever happens for however long. I mean, you don't have to get married to have children. Fewer and fewer people in our culture are bothering. Lots of other cultures do marriage very differently. Some practice polygamy, including the patriarchs in our own Bible. Our modern Western culture seems to value something called freedom more than anything else. But sexual freedom turns out to be terrible news for women and children and men with less money. Or we practice serial monogamy. I'll stay with you until I choose someone else. But that's a ticket to loneliness. There are terrible reasons to get married. Here's one. Because you think this person will make you happy. (laughs) Don't do it. If you can't be happy by yourself, a marriage is not going to fix it. Of course, being happy is a bad life goal anyway, but that's a whole nother sermon. One book by a non-religious author points to how we do romance in our non-religious age. And she says, we have shifted our expectations for how to be unendingly happy from God to our romantic partner. Without God, you think it's your partner's job to make you happy. But they can't. That's a crushing expectation, and it ruins relationships. Look, to believe in God doesn't make you unendingly happy, not in this life anyway. We have a cross at the center of our faith. And if you follow Jesus, he says, oh good, here's one of these crosses for you. 
Here's what marriage is for. Here's why Jews and Christians think marriage is a good thing. It tells the truth about God. That's why we do it. God marries us in Jesus Christ. And God will stay faithful to us no matter what happens. So those who never marry another person show something true. You don't have to marry another person to be fully human. The only one you have to marry to be fully human is Jesus. And he is spouse enough for anyone. Those who do marry another person show something true. That God longs for us and marries us and stays faithful to us. G.K. Chesterton said, any marriage is more interesting than any romance. (laughs) Any marriage is more interesting than any romance. Marriage includes promise-making and longevity and old jokes and long-running feuds and in-laws and pizza nights. Marriage is a delight, but that doesn't mean it's always fun or easy. It is good, really good, but it won't always make you happy. Sometimes it makes you miserable. Uh, can I get an amen, Jalen? And it doesn't always work out. Don't amen this part. It doesn't always work out. My mentor in ministry, his mother was married seven times. Twice to the same man, my friend's father. Now that's Elizabeth Taylor, Jaja Gabor level stuff. It's almost sweet and romantic. Oh, you like marriage so much, you're going to keep trying. It's just a little expensive. (laughs) And Jesus doesn't do it. Not ever. Never marries. Not once. And don't believe quote unquote scholars who claim otherwise. They're no scholar at all. Jesus is perfectly happy to be married to the church, his only bride. I told you he was weird. Now, the Samaritan woman is also a quick study. She shifts out of talk of her love life into a little theology session. So you're a prophet. Uh Uh-huh. We Samaritans have our temple here. You Jews have your temple in Jerusalem. Who's right? And this is when Jesus says salvation is from the Jews. He takes sides. But then he says, soon there'll be no temple. The time is coming, and in fact is here, when we worship with no building at all. The Bible makes clear in heaven there is no temple. There is no church. Everything will be holy. The church is temporary. We only need churches for now to direct life toward God. Now, this is bad news for me in my line of work. No church, and I'm out of a job. But it seems that Jesus is still coming back soon in 2022. So as long as soon doesn't come soon, I should be fine. It's interesting that we build churches to look like this. Giant, massive, immovable. It's as temporary as any canvas tent. One day we won't need it anymore because all creation will be holy. Now here's the part of the message I've been trying to get to. 
Water exists to show us that God is good and satisfies our thirst. Marriage exists to show us that God is faithful and is still absolutely crazy in love with us. God would still say, I do to us in a hot second. Here's what the Samaritan woman exists for. Listen again. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He can't be the Messiah, can he? And then as if it wasn't clear enough the first time, the gospel repeats it. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. Now I can imagine her neighbor saying, uh, sister, everyone knows everything you've ever done. I mean, what are neighbors for besides gossiping? But listen to what she says more deeply. Jesus knows everything she's done, all of it. Every detail, nothing left out or hidden. I mean, Jesus is harder to fool than we men usually are. And Jesus offers her no judgment at all. He doesn't even forgive her. He does that sort of thing a lot. Goes around forgiving people who don't even ask for it. Here, she doesn't confess. He doesn't forgive. It's almost like he welcomes her to the doing marriage wrong club. Oh, you're doing marriage wrong. I'm doing marriage wrong. Welcome. We'll call it church. I said water exists to show God's goodness. Marriage exists to show God's goodness. In this story, water exists to show Jesus' goodness. Marriage exists to show Jesus' goodness. You're getting the point, right? Jesus is God Almighty. His new disciple asks her neighbors, he can't be the Messiah, can he? Well, yeah, he is. And not just the Messiah, the deliverer of Israel. He's also the Son of God and God himself. And he is absolutely crushing on you. And they believe her. These small town, gossipy, wrong kinds of Jews leave their city and they go out to hear Jesus for themselves. And many, we're told, many believe because of her. This Samaritan woman is the first evangelist. She's the first preacher. The first one to tell her neighbors, hey, stop what you're doing and come with me and listen to this man. You want to hear him, trust me. And they do. And many believe because of her, John keeps saying. There are, of course, Christian denominations that don't ordain women. Do not feel proud, my fellow liberals. We only started ordaining women 75 years ago and in the time span of God's people, that's yesterday. And women pastors in liberal denominations still have it harder than we men do. Trust me, I'm married to one. When you and I defend women's ordination, and we should, we point out that if women weren't allowed to speak, Mary Magdalene would never have told the boys of the resurrection, and there would be no church at all. That's the best argument. The first preacher of the empty tomb is a woman. But here's the mistake we make. Who cares about ordination? <laughs> I mean, we church nerds care about ordination. I've got some bureaucrat asking for the certificate, right? But the Savior, the defeater of, the, of, the, the defeater of death, that one's important to all humanity. The Samaritan woman didn't ask to be ordained. Mary Magdalene didn't ask to be ordained. You don't have to be ordained to speak about Jesus. In fact, we ordain people are often the worst people to introduce Jesus to new people because they can see us coming. They can't see you coming. 
So the pitch here is this. Hey, you're thirsty like me? Well, I found water. You find relationships difficult like I do? Well, I found the only good husband. He's God. And all people, not just Samaritans, not just Jews, but all people can find life in him. In fact, he's the only way to life. I met the Samaritan woman once. I was in Durham in the north of England, and I learned of a church of homeless people that met in a barber shop. The barber would cook a big cauldron of something hearty and filling and warm, and they would show alpha videos like we're going to do at our church on October 5th. But when the week's worth of videos ran out, all the guys said, okay, see you next week. And the barber said, that's it. There are no more videos. And they said, oh, that's cute. You thought we were coming for the videos? (laughs) We were coming for the food. They kept coming. And you couldn't stop this church born of Jesus' best friends, the poor and the homeless. It grew from 15 to 35 to 100. I asked how that happened, and the barber said, well, it's simple. It's because of this woman. She was the most renowned felon in County Durham. More than 100 convictions to her name. Her photo was in the, me- in the media. Avoid this woman. She's dangerous. The authorities took away her children for their safety. Contemplating suicide in a prison cell, Jesus appeared to her. Changed her life like the first Samaritan woman. She got out, got sober, found the homeless church, and she supercharged it. She went around to the estate knocking on doors saying, come see the greatest thing I've ever found. The estate is social housing in Brit speak. She said, it's like water when you're thirsty. It's like a husband, only better. You do know that it's still true. The only reason anybody comes to church is a personal invitation, right? That's the only reason. So forget about ordination. No one ordained her to do that. Just like no one ordained the Samaritan woman or Mary Magdalene or Jesus. Forget that criminal or marriage record. Jesus wipes it all clean because he's water. Jesus is a husband, but better. Jesus is all the life there is. Come and see the most amazing thing ever. And then stay and eat and drink something hearty and filling and give thanks in Hebrew or any old language at all. Amen.